There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I know what love is. I love you. You complete me. I may have never been kissed on Notting Hill, but I found a podcast you get the film. Maybe I'm clueless, but this is good as it gets. Paige, Mikey, and Todd serving the best of my best friend's wedding. Rom-coms, true love, and heavy petting. We'll be crying on the couch, but we're not forgetting. The most of these flicks are trash. We relive it again. All romance in the podcast. As you wish. I've been doing a lot of things. The thing is, I love you. Looks like love at first sight to me. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at Hello, I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week we have a very special guest joining us, Kyle Shire. Oh, hi. It's me. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kyle. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so sorry for being so late. I want it on record that I was late (laughs) and I'm sorry. Oh, it is fine. It is fine. It's all good. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, you made us watch. Do you want to see where Mikey is first? Oh, shit. Yeah. So Mikey is on vacation. And is currently day drunk texting us. Yes. Good for him. So we have gotten some interesting pictures from Mikey from the beach. Yes. So Mm -hmm. Mikey will be back next week joining us for uh, whatever movie is happening after this, which I think is my pick. (laughs) I think it's actually Mikey's pick, but it's going to be yours. (laughs) We're going to skip Mikey. It's going to be my pick. All right. (laughs) But Kyle, this week you made us watch because you picked this movie. You made us watch The Truth About Cats and Dogs. Yeah. So I'm assuming you've seen this movie before. Oh yes, oh yes. This okay. is a classic. This is this is a movie that me and my mom would watch. Like you know, she would just have her Bartles and James, and I would just be you know sneaking her Bartles and James. And this, this was. <laughs> I'm picturing like a crazy straw around your back, behind her back, down into her drink. Yeah. Just yeah. like around the shoulders. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> I love it. So did you like this movie growing up? Are you like, yes, this is what love is? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Kyle, no. Loved this movie so much. Um, it is indicative of every single romantic comedy that programmed me for <laughs> absolute devastation and failure upon entering adulthood. Uh, and is, I mean, you know, if, in case uh, your listeners have not picked up by my voice, I'm a big old gay. Uh, so <laughs> the heteronormative romancing <laughs> uh, ran deep with me and it took me a while to deprogram that. But yeah, this was like one of the one of the bricks in that wall for me that you had to then unbrick right that i had yeah. to unbrick exactly <laughs> but for the record though i do like have a lot of respect for this movie just because Jeannie garofalo went through a lot of shit for yeah. with this movie 
movie. Oh, did so, she? And, and Janine Garofalo is like also one of my, like, she is an iconic comedian, you know, she's oh, yeah, fucking incredible. And like, you know, I think she actually does a tremendous job in this movie. See? And it's got Uma Thurman, who's like gay excellence. You know, she's not, she's not gay, but like, she's gay excellence. And it's got Ben Chaplin in it. And I don't know what the fuck happened to him, but he was real hot in the 90s. You know what? I had never heard that name before. And after this movie, I was like, where did he go? Like, where what's did he, he doing? Is he farming goats? Where did he go? <laughs> he is farming goats, actually. Yeah. yeah he's raising <laughs> sheep in Bali. <laughs> so, Paige, was this the first time you had seen this movie? This is the first time I'd seen this movie, but uh, when I pulled it up to watch it today, I realized that this was one of those covers in Blockbuster that I used to see all the time. Yeah. I had like a visceral memory of walking past it in Blockbuster and like wondering what it was about. And I was just like, oh, I'm I'm finally watching this. Okay, cool. <laughs> My life has finally brought me here. <laughs> My life has brought me here to a movie where I see myself, if I had remained single, depicted in a film. Uh, so <laughs> that was an interesting, I was like, she's short, brunette, has a cat, basically has a podcast and makes cheese, even if that part's fictional. Okay, all right. Uh, some harsh truths in this film. <laughs> I feel like Paige learned something about herself while watching this movie. I well, I I feel like I saw there there are many things in this movie that I feel like I had to unlearn as someone who is what I would call not conventionally attractive, not 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 attractive, sure. just not what society says is sure, attractive. Sure. Baby dear Uma Thurman, attractive. Baby just... dear Uma Thurman. She does have a baby deer quality she to her does. in this yeah. film. Paige and I were talking about that before the podcast started, and like I think she's aged very, very well. Let's just say that. Oh, yeah. absolutely. She's yeah. got that. She's got those those the rare good Scandinavian genes because the rest of us Scandinavian people, we get to thirty and our bodies just are like, nope, you look like an old shoelace now. <laughs> Vikings were supposed to be dead at this point in their lives. Yeah, I like <laughs> I don't know. My husband's got some Scandinavian blood, and he just looks more and more like a Viking as it goes. That's because your husband is a beautiful freak of nature. <laughs> yes, yeah, Kyle. Thank you. Bit. Hardcore agreed. <laughs> So this is the first time I had seen this movie. I don't understand the notion that Janine Garofalo is unattractive. That's the I biggest thing. I don't understand yes. that. I will grant you that Uma Thurman is like 90s model, very skinny, like emaciated, pretty, quote unquote. But Janine Garofalo is just a short, pretty brunette. She is not an unattractive woman by any means. So when like everyone was calling her ugly, I was like, really? Did you mean that? Really? I mean, I feel like she thinks she's ugly and that's what the movie is trying to focus on. It doesn't do a great job necessarily yeah. because many other people treat her badly, yeah. allegedly for her looks. It's in the opening titles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and more than once the main, the lead like calls Uma Thurman beautiful and then turns to her and says smart and I'm like that's yeah. hurtful yeah. <laughs> like this is how dare yep. you well and right at the end he almost calls her ugly right at he the does. end and yeah. then literally like two scenes after that like five minutes movie time after that they're like making out at the sunset I'm like yeah no one should be together at the end of this movie <laughs> no one like Everyone needs to take a fucking beat and like do some soul searching and realize that maybe 
lying to everybody or just being an incredibly shallow person. Like everyone has their own issues to work on, but like no yeah. one should be with anyone at the end of this movie. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You should say that and we can get to it when we talk about the end, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah like it, it one thing, cause we are talking about Janine Garofalo up here. Uh, and I just want to say up front going into this film, uh, and I like to add <laughs> an extra syllable, this piece of cinema, Janine Garofalo actually <laughs> lost like 30 pounds uh, yeah. before she did this role. Really? Uh, so like, Janine Garofalo had to lose 30 because like first of all Janine Garofalo's tiny she's like a teeny tiny little person she says in the movie she's 5'1 I don't know if that's accurate but that's pretty short she's a little taller she and I are about the same height okay yeah. uh, I'm I'm 5'2 so she, we're pretty close yeah. I've been near her at a comedy club and we were like eye to eye okay. yeah but like 30 pounds on a 5'1 frame is a lot yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's that's a, a lot, lot. And it's it's surreal to think that someone as uh, smart and talented and uh, and and also like naturally pretty, I would I would argue that she is naturally yes. pretty. It's weird that she had to do that much work to play a quote unquote unattractive woman in Hollywood. Think about yeah. how much of a mind fuck that would be. That they're like, hey, Janine Garofalo, we want you to be the ugly character, but you have to lose thirty pounds. Yeah, that is harsh. And I mean, I think it's kind of a thing of the times because right yeah. at the same time is when so Tina Fey was doing Weekend Update on SNL at the same time and she had to lose 30 pounds to do Weekend Update and she's not a large woman at all no and it was just this accepted norm which is messed up and it's why I cried really hard when Kathy Najimy shows up in Dumplin to tell her heavier daughter to just be who she is but it's we gotta do Dumplin because I have not seen that movie and I'm like putting it off so we can watch it for this podcast. I'm gonna sob so hard. <laughs> I mean, I will too. I cry at all these stupid movies. <laughs> so let's get into the actual Yeah, let's movie, just jump into the movie. Yes. I do want to talk about the end because this movie was a very different movie before the studios got a hold of it. Let's put it yes. that way. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I do want to highlight that if you are watching this on YouTube, if you're streaming it through YouTube, the description of the movie is bonkers. Oh, yeah? It's like three paragraphs long. Like, wow. it's more than just like a blurb. And it lists like every hobby Janine Garofalo has. And then <laughs> every hobby that Uma Thurman, Uma Thurman has. And then is like, and they're fighting over this guy. And that's it. Like, it goes on forever. They're not really fighting. They fight for like a minute or two. Yeah, it literally like... is two scenes. Just because Ben Chaplin doesn't call her stupid. Oh, he calls her calls Uma Thurman smart. And that instantly turns her on. He calls Uma Thurman. We'll get to it later. We're, yeah, we're yeah. spoiled. Yeah. We'll we're going to table, 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 table. So we open during the credits on Janine Garofalo, a.k.a. Abby, walking through the park, down the street to her office building, where people literally don't just ignore her. They act like she's not there. But they're yeah. like actively trying to get through revolving doors and things through her body. Like, she is corporeal. They do not care. Yeah, like a guy opens the door for like three quote-unquote quote attractive women and then like goes in like cuts her off goes in and she's just like i guess i'm not here then and then like sneaks in behind them well and everyone's a foot taller than her yes which i think is really really like they yeah. worked to make it look as drastic as it was yeah it was like some peter jackson forced perspective shit like <laughs> yes. <it> was... everyone's <laughs> on apple boxes except for her in that elevator <laughs> i think those women i think those women were on like those like six inch lucite stilettos or something because i feel like i feel like those women were at least they were like some someone looked at that frame and was like those women aren't tall enough the the message isn't being communicated hard enough <laughs> 
It must be more specific. <laughs> you have unlocked an early fun fact. Oh, hell yeah. And and I bring this up because it is something that I have experienced in the industry. Janine Garofalo often had to stand on Apple boxes to be in frame with Uma Thurman. That makes sense. Yeah, it does, because she's tall. Yeah, cause Uma Thurman's like 6'1". Yeah. Uh, and so there's a foot of difference between them, which has happened multiple times with myself and cult podcast co-host Armando Torres, who is 6'5", and I am 5'2". So this <laughs> is a common occurrence in our world. Uh, but yes, yeah, so frequently, whenever you see Janine Garofalo standing and not moving much, it's because she's on an Apple box. <laughs> I do want to point out, though, that the opening to this movie is like classic 90s kind of like location pan and scan. Yes. Uh, yes. Of like it's it. it I don't know that there, there was a moment in the 90s when that was very hot. Like you see it again in Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Like, yes, you have to show off Santa Monica like this. Well, that's how I was able to find out how much her apartment costs. Oh, "Oh, I know exactly where this duplex is. So they also so she makes it into the lobby, but then they also try to stop her from getting on the elevator. She does manage to get on and they're like verbal about her not like not wanting her to be there. Like to a point that I don't think I've ever been that outwardly hostile to somebody getting on an elevator with me. We cut to her radio show, which is called The Truth About Cats and Dogs. That's it's the title of the movie. Yes, it's it is. The title of the movie. <laughs> and she's giving some advice to a guy whose basset hound has a cough. Uh, she's giving advice to a guy who let his cat lick his face for three hours oh man and yeah like honestly the only reason your cat should lick your face for three hours is if you have died yes and they're trying to eat your skin of course yeah (laughs) like there's no other reason why you should let them do that how many does it take to get to the center of your skull (laughs) a one a two a three three. hours yeah listen if i die in my house and my cats have to eat my corpse i'm okay with it me too yeah if my last gift to you can be sustenance all power to you i have five cats kyle five cats (laughs) and two dogs i would go quickly in this house <laughs> Just bones. Yeah. <laughs> we found a stripped skeleton in the attic. <laughs> like the scarabs in the mummy. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'm afraid if I sleep too hard, it's over for me. <laughs> <laughs> don't take any NyQuil. <laughs> Biscuit's like, I don't know, man. He's been asleep for seven and a half hours. I think we should just go at it. <laughs> Biscuit's my fat kitty. Oh. <laughs> Mimsy's my fat kitty. Oh, <laughs> big dumb dumb. <laughs> anyway, the movie sets up this radio show as basically she gives advice to people about their pets over the phone, which seems a irresponsible, but b I can't imagine that she would have enough content to have a daily show. Yeah, uh, but it is Santa Monica, so she's yeah. like click and clack the car guys, but instead of for cars, she's for pets. Yeah. Or like those fantasy football people, but for pet health. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me as a job, but I'm happy for her. Like she would just have a podcast now. Like that is what her job would be. I will prepare you for later on in fun facts. I budgeted out what it would, what she would be making money wise as a radio DJ, but then modern day as a podcast. Oh man. Uh, That's going to reveal some harsh truth that I don't think our audience is ready for. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. This is a, labor of love you all (laughs) let's just say that she comes home to a gorgeous floofy tuxedo cat and (laughs) they cuddle up to read and there's a knock at the door 
And it's somebody looking for Noel, who is her neighbor. And I it sounds say. like it's not the first time this guy has been there doing this exact thing. Yeah. Right. Because he's like drunk or he's just an idiot or whatever. We thought he's an asshole, too. So like. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where we kind of first realize that she has a because I don't even think we've met Uma Thurman at this point. We haven't seen We haven't. Her. No, we hear her in this scene, but we don't meet right. her until later. Yeah. But the the implication is there is a hot party girl neighbor that the men are flocking to and she's constantly having to field her calls essentially yeah and you mean calls in the very very traditional sense of someone showing up at your house yeah the suitors that come to call on her oh no well you have another gentleman caller turn up the candle father (laughs) how do you turn up a you know what I'll figure it out. I'll, fi- I'll Google um, it. Historically, courting candles were spiral and they're long, long twists of candles. So if your father liked the suitor, he would turn the candle up so they had more time because when it burns down, they have to leave. Okay. Yeah. Two questions. You're, Paige, you're welcome. I don't understand why you know this. And wow, thank you for that information. <laughs> My family has vacationed in Colonial Williamsburg multiple <laughs> times. My, okay. my mother... My mother owns a courting candle. You're welcome. Um, I will just say this because Mikey's not here to, to defend himself. Your dad reached out and wants to have dinner with us when he's in town. Yes. And he referred to himself as my West Coast dad. So <laughs> I feel like if one of us is becoming a member of your immediate family, it's definitely me, Paige. <laughs> I'm just they didn't use the courting candle. I think my mom got it because it looks cool. Anyway, uh, we cut to her doing her show again the next day and someone's calling in about their fish that's depressed that they have sedated. Yeah. Can you sedate a fish? I don't think you can. I just think it kills it. Who would go through that much trouble for a fish? I know. I don't like unless it's like a real expensive like saltwater tropical fish bullshit or whatever. Like, (laughs) I don't know. It's strange. I'm sure I'm sure there's some fish advocate out there that's like screaming at their podcast apparatus you? right now uh i apologize um my fish is my soulmate she gives like a very specific solution like the caller does so i was like yeah. maybe this is like actually a thing like people sedate fish i don't know between this and the turtle later i couldn't figure out if these were real tips from actual vets or if they were just making shit up i have a personal fun fact about the turtle later okay we'll get to it when we get yeah. to it then I think the latter, personally. that's It sounds like some screenwriter logic, <laughs> personally. Well, this was like when we watched, what was it? Oh, Over Her Dead Body, and they <laughs> pretended to be caterers. And I was like, uh-uh, that's not how you make Osobuco. Uh, so, <laughs> so she ends up opening fan mail in a magazine where this is the first time we technically see Uma Thurman. Because she yes. says, she turns to an ad in the magazine and says, Oh, I know her. And they're like, those women don't exist. And she's like, no, like she lives in my building. Like, I know that person. Yeah. We cut back to her answering more calls on her show. Now, I have a question about these calls, and I wonder if I'm unlocking a fun fact here. Are the callers, like in Frasier, famous people? I was thinking that because I'm a huge Frasier fan. Same. Okay, same. But also, I swear to God, one of them was Eddie Murphy or someone doing their best Eddie Murphy doing an impression bit. I think it was someone doing an Eddie Murphy. Okay. Yeah, I I started to think that they were the same people over and over again trying to do different voices. Okay. With the exception of Brian, who we're going to meet next. Right. Or at least here next, who has a dog in roller skates because they were trying to do a photo shoot. So they just got a dog from the pound and put it in roller skates. Yep. Yeah, that's what 
you would do, Paige. Like, why is that it's all, weird? It's also basically the dog from the Sandlot. So, yeah. like, it's a big monster dog in roller skates. And now they can't get him out of the roller skates, which, although I would say is potentially animal abuse, very funny to watch. It is very funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I hope this dog was, like, trained and didn't hurt himself doing this. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. sure. Yeah. An experienced dog actor. Dactor? Yeah. I will say that this this feature of the film uh, is one of the <laughs> reasons why this movie was so important to me and my mom, because... Uh, fun fact about my mom, uh, Barbara Lynnshire Hafke, uh, she if there's a movie out there that has uh, a pet, particularly a dog that has any sort of like discernible personality, my mom will love it and, and defend it until the day she dies. Uh, and it's just it's it's that kind of film. Uh, and so mm-hmm. that's that's her that's her thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no rules that says that a dog can't roller skate. I've never read a law saying it shouldn't. It's yeah. just weird logic, though, that like a photographer would be like, oh, I need a dog for this photo shoot. I'll go adopt one from the pound. I know. Even in the 90s. Like, yeah. I could see that in like maybe the 60s when like no one had an idea of like, <laughs> you know, social responsibility when it came to the welfare of animals. Oh, yeah. Like when that photographer would do the photo shoot and then kill the dog afterwards because they had no <laughs> use for it. Because the <laughs> 60s were a dark bleak time a terrible dark bleak time yeah i also just feel like if you if you attempt this you don't know how dogs work yeah because like my uh previous cat dennis who passed away one time a friend was like can i use your cat for a video and i was like what do you need him to do and he was like well i just need him to like chase a string and chase a laser and i'm like Okay, maybe, but I can't make any promises. It's a cat. They're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah, <laughs> like, cats don't care. <laughs> yeah, they That's don't. like their one discernible quality. And I love that about cats. They either will care a lot about something for a very short amount of time or about nothing ever. Yes. Yeah. And we we then had to spend three hours oh, God. with a cat that was not going to chase or play with anything. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, you know what, mom? I don't feel lying like it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dennis, chase this light. Fuck you. I'm not doing shit. <laughs> I had to go in a car. Fuck yeah. you, mom. <laughs> exactly. I, I applied the same logic to the dog who's just like, now my feet roll. What's happening? Uh, but so she kind of talks him through over the phone, calming the dog down so that he can get the skates off and then convinces him to keep the dog. Yes. Yeah. Which, I mean, the dog seems like a total sweetheart. Yeah. That's you good. want to love that dog. That is a cute dog. It is a it's very, a very cute, dog. cute dog. I'm the kind of guy that when like I'm out for walks uh, around my neighborhood, like if I see a dog, I'm like, oh, a dog. <laughs> like, I love dogs. I, I just moved to this place like seven months ago. I know all the dogs' names in the street. I don't know any of my neighbors' names. <laughs> like, that's just, I know Lucy. I know Scott. Like, I know all of them, but all of those people are dogs. Scott? Yeah. There's a dog named Scott. They call him Great. He's a Great Dane and he's a oh, great, okay, Scott. That's great Scott. It's so okay. cute. I could never imagine a dog named Scott before. I yeah. was like, is that just are you are you just referring to like a gentleman that puts on a leash and his wife walks him? Like that doesn't <laughs> I mean, sound like a dog. He presents as a dog. I refer to him as such. No. That's fair. And I respect it. <laughs> they, uh, for the record, in case they're listening, they're not. But in case they ever do, that is not the case. But they do have a license plate that says "Out of Time" on it, which is like the license plate from Back to the Future. So oh, I'm assuming they're just right, big Scott. Back to the Future fans. Yeah, that's well, yeah. adorable. Yeah, I was like, that's, that's the kind adorable. of nerd I could hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut to uh, like a day or so later when she gets fan mail again, and she gets a picture of the dog, and is like, oh, like. 
he kept it nice he didn't murder the dog that's great <laughs> it's not the 60s page <laughs> yeah she's like look how progressive the 90s are we're not murdering dogs in the street we are like <laughs> as far away from this movie as this movie is from the 60s and that makes me feel very old i know <laughs> i mean earlier in this episode i said i saw this cover at a blockbuster and now i feel very yeah. old yeah yeah that memory uh hit me right in the feels page yeah, like, yeah. just <laughs> blockbusters and seeing the, the vhs covers like <laughs> yeah. oh my god when i realized we had that as a shared experience my knees and back already gave out like they were like <laughs> oh i'm just too old to live no <laughs> just the calcium in your bones siphoned out just a little bit i felt osteoporosis <laughs> take me in that moment I- I should have drank more milk like the commercial said. So her phone rings and it's Brian. And he opens the conversation with, we slept together. And then has to clarify that it's him and the dog. But he never clarifies not sexually. And that bothered me because it's weird that you would start off that way. It is. It is. I mean, you you think that conversation is going to go one way and it goes another because it very well could go. We slept together and I just don't know how he feels and if it's going to be long term or if this was a one time (laughs) thing. And like, I know I bought him the skates and a dog bed, but like, am I just a meal ticket to you? Like, that's (laughs) what you expect it to be. (laughs) Um, Yeah, absolutely, Paige. And listen, I get sometimes your first night with a dog can be rough. Oh, no. But like. Like you gotta you gotta figure, feel it out. Like if they're still there in the morning, breakfast, right? But if they ghosted you, like whatever. We're we're gonna move on to the next bitch. Yeah, I, I'm trying and, to force in all the dog puns I can. Should we just move well, on? And, and you missed the one about his favorite position, missionary. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Paige. I love it. It's very traditional. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's a dog that sticks to his principles. He knows what he likes. <laughs> he likes eye contact. <laughs> Intimacy. It's just him drooling all over you because it's like he's on top and he's going to town, but he's like still got those jowls just like dripping saliva all over you. I like that we we all pictured the dog on top. I, I think that was great. <laughs> so he asks her out over the phone and is like, I want to meet you in person. And he's kind of persistent about it, which as somebody who has people that listen to their voice on a regular basis. Yes, Paige. No. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So, like, I was very concerned at his level of commitment to, like, wanting to, like, date her from just hearing her voice, especially for someone who has what I would assume is the vocal equivalent of face blindness because he, like, never he recognizes her. Voices her apart. Yes! And they don't sound at all alike. It drove me insane the entire movie when they were in the same room together. I was like, you would know. As a lady, if somebody uh, somehow got my phone number, I guess because he called it. Yeah, he called the office. Like that made sense to me because he called the station. So if somebody contacted me and was like, I need to meet you, I'd be (laughs) like, I'm not answering I need your name and phone number so I can report this call to the police. (laughs) Yes, stalker. (laughs) No, thank you. Now, it's one thing if I'm like, hey, we're doing a thing. I'm going to be there. Yeah, come to the meetup. Watch a movie. Yeah, I'm controlling the situation at that point. But if you're just like, I'll be at your house in 10 minutes. No, you won't, Jeffrey Dahmer. No, you won't. (laughs) You ain't gonna eat me. Yeah, I'm gonna live today. Uh, So that's where this movie breaks down for me. (laughs) Now, granted, she does bring that up and is just like, um, I don't know you. 
and describes Uma Thurman instead. I think in her mind, thinking that she's never going to meet up with this person. Oh, at least yeah. during this initial call. Well, so my thoughts on that are that conversation could have gone differently if he hadn't said, oh, hey, what do you look like? Yes. So that yeah. I know who you so that I know what to look out for. I think if the, if they had just left it, she probably would have been like, I'll take a chance. I'll maybe go and meet him in person. But I think being put on the spot yep. to describe how she looked was the impetus for her being like, oh, fuck it. I can't describe myself. I'm just going to describe this yeah. uh, centerfold in front of me that my producer irresponsibly has uh, in his office. Uh, HR is going to give you a call, sir. That's not appropriate. <laughs> this is still a workplace, you This monster. is a workplace environment. Please do not subject your fellow employees and coworkers to that. It's weird. It was the 90s, which is like half of the 60s. It's amazing it wasn't nude. <laughs> Well, this is also <laughs> in in Splash when John Candy shows up and oh, hands yeah. out his copies of Penthouse. Yeah. That's what this reminded me of. Yeah. But yeah, I do think that that serves a purpose in the movie, though. The whole, like, what do you look like conversation, Kyle? Because it gives the opportunity for Janine Garofalo to be like, ugh. You know, like, mm -hmm. I'm such a homely girl, which she's not at <laughs> she's all. She's not. And yeah. she's still not. She's looking no. great. She looks amazing right now. I don't know if you've seen her recently. She's in amazing shape. She yep. looks great. Yeah, she yep. looks wonderful. And does in this movie, too. Like, What's your favorite Janine Garofalo? I think mine is Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Uh, yep. Yep. Sorry. Uh, yes. That's to have to give you the double high five on that because Heather yep. Mooney is. Yes. I have been Heather Mooney so many times at gay bars. <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at friend at parties at friend functions i have been heather mooney okay toby fuck off just going outside to have a cigarette and <laughs> not <laughs> be a part chain smoke and then end up making out with a hot cowboy good exactly. for you heather mooney good, <laughs> exactly. for you. good for you i also liked her in uh she had a cameo in the cable guy yes. oh shit i forgot about that yes no sir there are no utensils during medieval times thus there are no utensils at medieval times would you like a refill on that pepsi <laughs> <laughs> wow you know not only she had a cameo also her line i love janine garofalo <laughs> also, I've been to medieval times. <laughs> no, Kyle's like, I used to work there. <laughs> one of my close friends actually did work there for many years. Yeah. Not the one in Schaumburg, Illinois. <laughs> oh, shit. I've been to Schaumburg. That's a dark place. Yeah. Home, <laughs> home of the uh, Woodfield Mall. And that's it. All life yeah. is centered around Woodfield Mall. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I hope they're safe. <laughs> so he shows up at the place where they said to meet. She doesn't show up. Meanwhile, she's at home playing the violin with her cat because you know what? Single ladies have hobbies and that's fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's not playing that violin, though. Like she is not even trying to look like she's playing that violin. I don't know why they gave that to her as a hobby. She has enough weird things about her. Yeah. She's a vet. With a radio show slash podcast and a cool cat, <laughs> and she's a smart lady. Why do we need more than that? I don't know why she also had to have the violin. It's kind of like in Never Been Kissed where she has the cross-stitching pillows, and you're just like, why also this? <laughs> I don't know. But as she's playing violin, she hears outside that Uma Thurman and her boyfriend, Roy, are fighting. And I don't know if you heard the dialogue of that fight, but he's telling her to change her dress because it makes her look fat. Meanwhile, this is full buggy eye baby dear Uma Thurman with not a stitch of fat on her. No, this is Gattaca Uma Thurman. She's like 98 <laughs> pounds, but 6'1". Like, she's very tiny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And little five foot one Janine Garofalo intervenes and he does break her violin bow, but he also does leave. He does also, though, say that 
She is an ugly, dumb bitch. Well, he calls them both dumb bitches. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, right. but then there's another moment where he 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 calls someone a dumb bitch. It's sorry, he calls Uma Thurman a uh, dumb bitch. And uh and then when Janine Garofalo intervenes, she That's says, right. Oh, I'm sorry, did you call my name? Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're like, What? And she goes, Oh, I'm sorry, I heard dumb bitch, so I thought you must have been referring to me. Uh and then I guess during that time, like Janine Garofalo like hated that line. Uh, because she quote unquote does not believe in reclaiming words, I suppose. I don't know. Mm-hmm. She, she apparently had a really hard time with that scene, which is pretty understandable, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's mm-hmm. knowing what I know about how she felt about that film, watching it now, I, it's my, my heart goes out for her. <laughs> it's like a different yeah. experience, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel like if somebody called me an ugly, dumb bitch. At at this point, oh, with God. the things that have been said to me at Rose Battle, I'd just be like, do better. Like That's exactly shit. what I was thinking, Paige. That's I was like, it. I feel bad for anyone who calls you a dumb bitch because your ability <laughs> to read someone and then destroy their soul in like under five seconds. Like I would just like if someone said that to you, I would just sit there and be like, oh, man, I feel so bad for this dude before he even said anything. That that happened at an open mic one time. Oh. And Chris, Crystal Adams Oh, I love Crystal Adams. Another girl was going to defend me as a guy made a really shitty joke about me being thick like a book. I don't give a shit. Whatever. And Crystal held that girl back and just said, no, no, no need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I and I was next at that open mic and wasted all three and a half of my minutes destroying that guy till he cried. So you know what? Yeah. Yeah. That is not at all surprising. I've seen your roast battles. They are roasty. I approve. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we find out that that was both her boyfriend and her manager, and she's paying 15%. Like, come on, Uma. Do better, Um. Negotiate for 10. I mean, she's already sleeping with him. Like, why not do it for free? (laughs) Right? Your boyfriend should be, like, giving you a discount, right? Like a friends and family discount? But also, I mean, the differences between agents and managers. I mean, managers do the same thing as agents, but managers can produce. And would you want to produce with that guy? Uma Thurman, would you want to produce with that guy? No. Noelle, you need to get your shit together, okay? Mm-hmm. Get your sh- get your shit together. Lock your life up, Um. There was I'm I I will say that there was a a stark absence of a, a sassy gay friend uh, archetype in this film in this film because <laughs> Noelle needed one. She yes, needed she some did. guidance. Yeah. <laughs> Titus Andromedon. Yes. <laughs> yes. Either a Titus Andromedon or an older woman at the office who's just like, don't put up with that shit. Yeah. That's yep. what you need. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Anyway, she kind of criticizes her boyfriend and is just like, uh, why are you doing this? He seems like full trash. Yeah. He seems like a trash person. Yeah. And she's like, well, if I don't have a boyfriend, I could end up old and 40 with a cat. And Janine Garofalo is just kind of like, hey. she actually does like take offense to it though and almost like sort of storms off yeah and then uma is like i i wasn't talking about you i'm sorry that it sounded that way (laughs) like i mean but also she kind of was no i mean yeah but i don't feel like it was malicious on uma thurman's part yeah yeah i do want to know where noel came from i don't think they ever got to that but like i want to know why the I'm I'm fascinated by the old idea that like that kind of fate is like the worst thing that could happen to a person. <laughs> I mean, like, because uh, honestly, being forty with a cat and no attachments—that sounds nice. 
so much disposable income. And a cat that takes care of himself, more or less? Ooh. I I know. Total agency. I can do whatever I want. Like, (laughs) sounds nice. Oh, shucks. I don't have a guy calling me fat and stupid all the time. (laughs) My life is so terrible, Uma. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. I I grew up in a, a very conservative church community where for a lot of those girls, getting married and having a guy was the goal and my mom was like you're going to college (laughs) so (laughs) i then was single for a long ass time and i think sometimes it it takes being single for a long time to learn that a you're okay being single like you can do it yeah you could carry those groceries in it's all good (laughs) and b cats are awesome and so i did it for a long time and if i had to do it again i could so You can zip up your own dress. You can make it after all. Throw your hat up in the air. Mary Tyler Moore. Yes. (laughs) Because here's the thing. Uh, You know, Brian's situation aside, I think Janine Garofalo has a decent life. She's got it figured out. I agree completely, Paige. Yeah. You have a a job in an apartment in Santa Monica. Yeah. (laughs) What more do you want out of life? (laughs) What are you trying to get? Burbank? Calm down. (laughs) And I I honestly feel like this movie tries sometimes to paint her life as sad. And I'm like, it's not sad. She could eat as much pizza as she wants and no one gets to say anything. (laughs) It's great. She could figure out how to make artisanal cheeses. Yeah. And that's why I have the cheese fridge. And now I have a husband to feed the artisanal cheeses to. God, I wish you lived closer. I want some artisanal (laughs) cheese so bad. Kyle, you want some cheese when it's done? You son of a I would love some cheese. I would love some cheese. (laughs) Some artisanal cheeses. Anyway, we cut to the next day. Uma Thurman has brought her a a bouquet and a new bow. Mm -hmm. Basically is apologizing. Yeah, I thought it was pretty sweet. Yeah. And she reveals that she wants to be a newscaster uh, because newscasters know everything. (laughs) And uh, Janine Garofalo is like, yes, uh, people tell them ahead of time. Like, that's... That's how that that's how the news works. The way they paint Uma as like dumb sort of makes me sad for her. Um, There are a lot of things in this movie that make me sad for Uma. Yeah. But that's where a a confident, sassy gay friend could have come in and been like, bitch, you are smart. I don't know why you're listening to any of these people. Yeah. Get a nice dress. We're going out. We're going to get brunch. Fuck Roy. (laughs) I killed Roy before I came over here. I ran him (laughs) over with my car. And he's in the back of the Subaru. We got nice shovels. We're going to bury him and try not to ruin our manicures. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We're going to bury him in Palm Springs and then go party and get brunch uh, uh, in yes. the desert. <laughs> There's a lot of desert. A lot of desert. But not a lot of Roy anymore. So no. it'll be real easy to get rid of that body. My, mm-hmm. my one criticism of uh, sassy gay Fred representation in media is that not enough of them were just like, I'm just going to murder him for you. I'm just going <laughs> to murder this guy for you. How about that? Gay men can be aggressive too, you know. They can. They can they can be. More? No, that's gonna sound bad. <laughs> I was gonna say more gay murderers, and I'm like, no, Paige, that's nope, not nope, that's not, not that. what he was getting at. Not that. Not murderers, just you know, <laughs> extreme justice providers. <laughs> Friends willing to suggest it until yeah. we all come to our senses, eat our eggs benedict, and decide to move on with our lives. In a healthier direction. Yes. So they decide to play hooky and get a cappuccino 
or at least that's what she suggests. And I'm like, it's a radio show. And also, she's already at work. Like, you can't be like, hey, I'm sick, but you're not. Yeah. I'm looking at you. You just did an hour of your two hour radio show. Like, you're not sick. Yeah. I can't come. <coughs> <coughs> That was the thing that I'm they played sick. around with on Frasier a lot, though. Whenever, like, he couldn't go to his daily radio show, they always were like, oh, we'll just play some old episodes or something. And I'm like, I don't think that's how radio works. I mean, I know they uh, have the ability to do that. Like, I know that exists and has happened in history, but I can't, I don't, you can't do it all the time. I don't think, right? you know? Yeah. It's not like something to be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, like, potentially get fired so I can go have a cappuccino with the model who lives down the street corner for me right also it's not like cappuccinos are only happening for a limited time they happen all the time <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they're about to lose the pumpkin spice it'll be there later yeah but as they're kind of talking about doing this ben the stalker shows up at the office looking for her like see this is this is what i fear from that original phone call is him like showing up at work and being like, I want to wear your skin. Yeah. Because that's what's going to happen this next. This is wildly inappropriate behavior. Honestly, yeah. Paige, like through that lens, Ben's behavior, oh, I'm sorry, Brian's behavior in this film is incredibly problematic in a lot of ways, in a lot oh, of assets. Yeah. And viewing it as an adult looking back on it, yeah, it definitely has that idea behind it. I'm not I'm not okay with it now. <laughs> there, there's I don't know a- why I made you watch this film. <laughs> <laughs> this was your choice, Kyle. This was my idea. I was late. <laughs> it's a cascade of bad things that I've put upon your houses today. <laughs> don't feel bad because this happens in so many movies yeah. from the 90s and early 2000s where you're just like, oh, he stalked her. Yeah. Like, yeah. Think about stalking and then go back and watch The Notebook again mm-hmm. and tell me how that goes for you. <laughs> because I stalked you every day for a year. <laughs> it's not over. It's still not over. <laughs> I know where you live. So he shows up at the lobby of this high rise where they're not checking anyone's IDs, which I could not fathom. Kyle, can you imagine a high rise in Los Angeles that just lets anybody in? No. Yep. Then again, I, I mean, it is the 90s, but like, it feel like even then, like, I don't know, it's just kind of weird, especially if it's like a media building, you know? Yeah, because he literally, wa- he, he sees the like pictures and she just has a picture of a dog and a cat as, as opposed to her face. But then he's able to literally just like walk into her studio. No one stops him. No one asks any questions. This is a mass shooting event waiting to happen. That is weird. <laughs> yeah, but this is like mid nineties, right? Like ninety yeah. seven, I think ninety six. Yeah. So yeah, I doubt Columbine had happened that had started all of that stuff. That's, so I that's bet true. some of that's I, I can't remember exactly when Columbine happened. It happened when I was in high school, but pretty sure it was late nineties though, right? Wow, this took a turn. We were talking about <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen, Kyle, I don't know if you've listened to the show before. It's fine if you haven't. We talk about Columbine every episode. It's like <sighs> Holy sh- no, okay. <laughs> all right. Um no, I think I think you're right, because that's something we ran into with another movie. Never been kissed. I, I yes that and and I think it is just 2020 lens looking back and being like yeah what do you mean there's no metal detectors so yeah but that did strike strike me as weird that no one seems to question a stranger just walking up into a recording studio um, and letting his dog loose into the studio where at a certain point it gets locked in with what he believes is Abby because she matches the description right um 
But then actual Abby comes in and before he can get into the recording studio to retrieve the dog, she fills Uma Thurman in on what's going on. And she then essentially buzzes him in and Uma Thurman pretends to be Abby. And he even mentions, he's like, you sound completely different. And I I do love her response of, you should hear me in the shower, which is crazy, but great. And then she tells him that microphones make her voice sound different. And he says, well, I didn't want you to think I was some weirdo. And I was like, by stalking her and showing up at her office? With a dog. Yeah. With a dog? That you have claimed to have slept with. And that's just how you start conversations, too. Like, that's just, oh, oh, that's the guy that started the conversation with we slept together with no context whatsoever. Like, you thought that was, like, that was a choice you made. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's what humans do. This is this is how humans speak initiating conversation exactly. protocol 87. Uh, this guy is an alien in a Ben suit or whatever his name is. A Brian Brian. The actor's name is Ben. The character's name is Brian. I was close. That actually would explain a lot because if he was an alien impersonating Brian, he'd be like, I must have a dog for this photo shoot so that I may procure <laughs> the roller skates. <laughs> how do I procure the dog? Pound. Yes. I do not go through animal talent agencies. <laughs> <laughs> But all of that kind of makes sense because in this very next sequence, he's like, I taught the dog a trick. And it's basically just him making out with that dog. Yeah. It's like, here, put your shoulders up here. We'll slow dance and make out. Yeah. (laughs) Regardless, they agreed to meet up that night to basically go out for drinks. And Uma Thurman, after he leaves, is like, he likes you. Like, you, you know, he said those super nice things to me, but you got everything confused. I don't know. We'll Like, we'll both go. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So while they're walking to the drinks, they do have this kind of conversation about essentially Uma Thurman's, I'll call it pretty privilege of just like (laughs) being conventionally attractive and not realizing that that enhances her life. And uh, a guy on a bike nearly causes a car accident because he turned to stare at her, which is a very funny sequence. It is. It reminds me of John Hamm's character in 30 Rock. Yes. 100%. Yeah, well, eventually hooks for hands. Yeah. (laughs) No, Liz, I'm getting implants very soon. You see, there's this strangler that's about to be executed. Oh, oh yeah, I love 30 Rock so much. So uh, John Hamm is like exactly this, though, right? He doesn't understand yeah. that he lives inside. They call it the bubble on that show. Yeah. Right, right, right. And this kind of devolves into a conversation about what Janine Garofalo's character, Abby's actual love life has been like, where it's been three years with no sex. And she's like, yeah, it's the they make vibrators stupid. Like, I don't, what are you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And this is also where we find out that Uma Thurman doesn't eat, that she loves to order, loves menu but no calories yeah she just smokes yeah she's the body shaming and eating disorder edification in this film yeah because it's sort of positioned like that's how you be pretty you don't (laughs) eat food yep like that is bonkers and you never see her eat anything in this entire movie unless those cigarettes were candy well no and the cake later and it's yeah why do you think she has a mouthgasm when she's eating the cake yeah because that's the only food she's consumed in four weeks (laughs) years no. Oh, God, I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yeah. While they're eating, a bee flies near them and a guy basically slaps half the restaurant trying to kill the bee for them. With his hat or something? Like, yeah. It goes on way too long. There are like so many things in this movie that go on like literally 15 seconds too long. 
But I loved it because he finally finished it and just says, it's dead. I, I killed, killed it. it. Yes. <laughs> it's dead. It's almost like the director was like, say you killed it and then give me two different ways of saying that same thing. And then he left all three of those takes in. The guy was like, I killed it. It's dead. That feels like a groundlings find. They were yeah. like, we got to find a groundlings person for this. It's the, early, it's the 90s. We got to find someone hot. Let's go to the groundlings for yeah. this part. I just, I half expected the third line in that sequence to just be like, it's dead. I killed it. Me give penis now? Just like <laughs> it's just a caveman. <laughs> just a caveman. But Janine Garofalo waves him off. He's like, "Yeah, everybody's gonna be fine. Uh, we're we were fine before. Like it's fine. Thank mm. you." And gets up to leave. And this line, I, I would say, aged like milk. Uh, because <laughs> as they're leaving, Uma Thurman's like, "What's wrong?" And she says. Nothing that a rooftop with an AK won't solve. Yeah. When that, oh, no. Yeah. You know how I know this started <laughs> yeah. before, like, at least the DC sniper happened? Yeah. Mm, yeah. God. Oh, wow. That's just. <laughs> Kyle, you did this. Kyle, we brought you here to talk about how your movie choice how it would have been forever changed if it happened post mass shootings. This isn't a podcast. This is an intervention about your terrible taste in films. We're going to walk you through every single painful moment, like dragging you through glass to make you look. And I'm so sorry. No, you're good. And it also gets worse too. It does. It does. It does. That's why I love that you love it though, Kyle. Cause like, I think a lot of these movies from this time period that are like super problematic now, mm -hmm. when you were a kid, you were like, oh, this is normal because you were a kid. You didn't yep. know any better, but also they're very of the time. So like mm -hmm. revisiting these movies you haven't seen since the nineties that came out in like early nineties or eighties. You're like, oof, mannequin is not a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Except that it's also somehow the best. Yeah. Movie. That makes them fun and campy and like super silly, but man, like your choice is amazing for those reasons when when camp is like camp or or um uh absurdity is like intentional like in a john waters film it's yeah. it's uh it's one thing but it's another thing entirely when it's like th like this was this was presented and 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 studio grafted to be a certain type of movie um and during that time and for a long time after and pretty much even still now you know there's a very straight white heteronormative slant that has to be put on everything. <laughs> well, and this movie certainly has that. Yeah, you're right. It has everything. They were like, oh, this movie's too white. We need Jamie Foxx. For two scenes. <laughs> and For that's it. Scenes. Like, <laughs> it's so upsetting. And he says crazy things in those two scenes. He does. And he also mimes fingering a turtle's butt at the end, which is, I thought, I mean... one of the funnier moments. <laughs> Well, I just like that he doesn't just says, that's not professional. And then they're like, well, actually, we wouldn't know. Yeah. We're not vets. Maybe it is. It's not, though. So we cut to them going out for drinks with Brian that night. And Janine Garofalo is trying to ditch. Uma Thurman basically makes her go and implies that she's expecting her to tell the truth while she goes to the bathroom or whatever she goes off to do. Yeah, I think that was originally the plan. Yeah. And then comes back after uh, Janine Garofalo's already spilled a bunch of stuff on her shirt, which as as a fellow big titted broad, it happens. <laughs> I call it the second chance rack. <laughs> You're like, yeah. oh, shit. OK, second chance at that part of the donut. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, titties, for saving that. <laughs> I just need a shirt that says, thank you, titties, for saving that. 
Yeah. Titties, you are my favorite lunchbox. Uh, <laughs> so she gives him this whole crazy story about her being a cheesemaker, specifically making goat cheese. But like imported goat cheese from a crazy goat farm that she inherited? Question mark? Yeah. A freakish inheritance. Sometimes Abby goes with me. I yeah. forget where it was. It was overseas, though. It was like France or some shit. It's the south of France. Yeah, yeah. okay. And... As Uma Thurman comes back, she's like, oh, good. She told you everything? Great. And then Janine Garofalo is like, yes, I told him all about the goat cheese I make and the goats and how you sometimes come with me. And she just says, her cheese balls make excellent Christmas gifts. Which, honestly, Paige, I'm just saying this now, giving you plenty of time. Goat cheese balls <laughs> do make excellent Christmas gifts. They it do. Does. Also, uh, just want to say that uh, Uma Thurman delivered that line really well. Yes. Yeah. Yes, There's a did. lot to this movie that is like very kind of, you know, uh, um, paint by numbers, 90s rom-com. Yes. And like there aren't really that many good punchlines, but like that, that was a well-delivered line. And if Uma Thurman ever listens to this, I just want you to know, <laughs> good job. Also, Batman and Robin changed my life. Um, oh, my God. Yes. You mean where she's so. secretly the hero trying to solve global warming and gets killed by a Secret, billionaire? Secretly. It's no secret to me, honey. It's oh, no exactly. secret. Exa Thank you, Kyle. That's no. <laughs> I do think Uma Thurman does great in this. I think Janine Garofalo does great in this. They're both great actresses. But like compare Gattaca Uma Thurman to this Uma Thurman. I think she had more to do in this movie than Gattaca. Pa I'm pretty sure Gattaca doesn't pass the Bechtel test, right? No, it's I don't just think not. so. Like she really. I'm pretty sure she's like the only she's like the only lady in the future right <laughs> yeah which is why she's like so sought after yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like the only lady and like in this movie you know there's at least one other female character that she talks to oh i will spoil it for you this movie does not pass the bechdel test either <laughs> <laughs> the truth about cats and dogs they do technically Actually, talk about other th about things other than ben at some point but in relationship to whether or not he likes them no they also they also talk about their careers they talk about their careers too well here but here's how it happens though it's i'm not saying it passes it well it is the lowest bar <laughs> yeah it yeah, technically yeah. passes but it is below c grade it is not acceptable i guess that's true the new the newscaster segment where she first tells her about being a newscaster and when she is testing out her newscaster audition, those are the only two points because every other time it's either Uma Thurman leaving voicemail. So they're not on screen at the same time. <laughs> yes. Or it's when Janine Garofalo is talking to one of the callers on her show. And again, they're not on the screen at the same time, but the newscaster segment's the only part that passes. And they don't have a name. So that also wouldn't, because isn't, don't they have to yeah. be named characters? They, they do. To... The test is, has two named characters who talk to each other about something that's not a man. Those are like the three yeah. tests. I just looked it up. So on the Bechdeltest.com, the truth about cats or dogs does pass all three tests. Gattaca does not. <laughs> <laughs> Gattaca only has two named female characters, but they never speak. Oh, that's geez. what it says. Yeah, that's, that's hilarious. Brutal. Yeah. Anyway, so they don't quite hit it off. She thinks that Brian is not into her at all. He's super into Uma Thurman. But they do go back to his loft where they get to see all his photography and she immediately connects with that dog. Ginny Garofalo does. Yeah, which I think should have been the first clue. Outside of her voice, yes. 
Right. She's not wearing Clark Kent's glasses on her voice. Like, I don't understand how he never realizes that the woman who sounds exactly like the woman he fell in quote unquote love with over the radio is Janine Garofalo. I'm really shocked that there wasn't a studio note where they weren't like, wouldn't it be like, shouldn't she be like changing her voice? Like, shouldn't she be like doing a silly accent or something? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but no, she just stone cold sounds exactly like Abby because she just is Abby throughout yeah. the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. But she it's doesn't do bonkers. anything to like change any affectations in her voice. She doesn't like she doesn't do any of that. It's literally, like you said, just her voice. And Kyle, I am here for Janine Garofalo being forced to do like a purposefully bad <laughs> British accent for 70 yes. percent of this movie. I'm on board for that. That sounds like a great premise. I honestly hope she sucks at doing a British accent because that makes it better in my mind. <laughs> because he's British, too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And be like, it sounds like you're sort of from all over. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Wells? No, or Pierce Brosnan dissecting Mrs. Doubtfire's accent. Oh, your accent's uh, a little bit muffled there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this movie has a Miss Doubtfire moment, except it's mayonnaise. And oh, that is I, disgusting. We'll get to when we, I yeah. gagged. Like, I almost threw up all over my computer. Oh, <laughs> man. When she becomes Mayonnaise Woman, the weirdest superhero ever. It's one step away from Quail Man, that's for sure. <laughs> all right, we got to move on. I'm so sorry to keep derailing us. That's all right. Uh, so Jamie Foxx shows up at the loft with his niece, yeah. who we only meet once. We don't get a name for <laughs> and she's there to bring her turtle to Abby so that Abby can, uh, I believe, get it to come out of its shell so they can give it a shot. Yes. Because it has pneumonia. Yes. And Uma Thurman's like, uh, no. Uh, but then Janine Garofalo's like, that's a really beautiful tortoise. Let's go wash our hands and we'll figure it out. And basically instructs Uma Thurman on how to probe the tortoise's anal cavity with her finger yep to prompt him to extend his appendages so they can give it the shot which is not how that works i mean i actually have been in the situation where i had to give a turtle a shot because i was dating someone with a turtle and we like for this exact reason we had to give it a shot and you don't put your finger in its butt i am just so curious about how you always find the girls with the weird pets because right now you're dating a woman with five cats and two dogs that's a lot. And previously, you've dated a woman with a tortoise. <laughs> this is questionable. Any guinea pigs in your past? She had two. They were actually map turtles, not tur tortoises. <laughs> and they were Shelly and Sheldon, and they were adorable. But what you do is, if you want to stab them in their, you say stab, but like give them a shot in their left fin or whatever that is, arm, you poke the other side. Like you, you would poke their right arm, and they would shift and they would pop their uh, other arm out a little bit and you would just grab it, do the shot real quick and put it out. Okay. You wouldn't finger its butthole. You reserve that for consenting partners, not animals. So the dog then. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you, you can wanna... reach during missionary. That's like a hard reach. So like maybe. Hey, get flexible. <laughs> that's, why you, that's why you should be doing yoga. <laughs> uh, we cut to the mall where essentially Uma Thurman has taken Janine Garofalo to like, it looks like a Clinique counter. At the time, it would have been a Clinique counter, yeah. but it's a na nameless, faceless 
skincare makeup brand. It may as well have said like Mac above her though. Like that's what it looks like now. Yeah. Uh, and I do like that she asks for a poor maximizer so she has a place to keep spare change. And her which keys. Is a hor- and her keys. It was a horrifying visual, but very funny. I too. loved, okay, so I really loved the retail person's reaction to that because she reacted like someone who's heard that same shitty joke 90 times because she works retail <laughs> and people are yep. never as funny as they think they are. She's just like, oh, no, we don't have that. I will say though, <laughs> To to the screenwriter's credit, though, uh, if it, I don't know if this was a Ginny Garofalo joke or if it was in the script, but it did sound like a Ginny Garofalo joke where she was like, where she was talking about the the free radicals or whatever. Yes. She was yes. like free. Oh my god, how did she? And what was the joke exactly? It was about them staging a coup on her face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like. <laughs> Poor, poor minimizers for my free radicals. Is this a beauty regimen or I was staging a coup? I don't know. It sounded like a Ginny right. Garofalo joke. It was really well yeah. done. Writing jokes for other people is hard. And whoever yes. did that wrote a good joke for Ginny Garofalo and good for you. Agreed. <laughs> this is also while the salesperson is collecting some of the stuff that she's asked for. This is where Uma Thurman runs her audition piece for the first time. And it's this horrifying story about like people drowning and another people. 79 people drowned and another 200 people were injured. Yeah. But she's like happy about it. When a passenger ferry came to a tragic and watery end. Well, and at one point she just says desperate screams. Which was... Desperate screams. But she's smizing the whole time. Yeah. Uma Thurman has a certain intensity to her that's like, it's kind of David Lynchian. Like there's just like a really big sincerity to like every performance she gives. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you see that so much in this movie, like especially in this scene. Oh, yeah. Then next, the the makeup counter lady does something real mean and basically nags Janine Garofalo into buying giant bags of makeup, which just kind of hints at some some self-esteem problems below the surface where she's like, my life is great. I've got my cat. I got my apartment. I got my radio show slash podcast. But deep down, sometimes people can still get to you and it's hard to be the strong cat mom all the time. I've been there. It wasn't makeup. It was other shit, but. Also, they need to fire that Clinique counter lady because her makeup job was terrible. Yeah. It did not compliment her face at all. It was it, it was terrible, even for 90s standards. That was not it was it was very bad. And you never see her wearing that much makeup again. And honestly, the makeup she wears in every other scene is great for her. Yeah, I will say I had a Clinique makeover at the Clinique counter right around the same time that it was like a treat. Like my mom and my sister and I all went and they put me in a gray smoky eye, Ooh. like pink lip gloss with like a berry colored lip liner. Cause it was the darker liner with the gloss. Yeah. And I wore it religiously for like a year and I was 11. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I went to Claire's and got my ears pierced that day. <laughs> Oh, we'd had our ears pierced for a time, but we did go to Claire's and get the 10 for 10s, which if you are a girl my age, you know what that means. Yeah, you get the 10 for 10s and you swap it out with your other girlfriends. You buy one, you buy the other one and you kind of swip and swap them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this vibe. You get it. You get it. I get it. I had many, many a lady friend and they'd be like, yeah, sure. I'll take this bracelet. I'm totally not going to wear it as an earring or anything. It's unisex. It's not. It's it's from Claire's, Kyle. You're not fooling anybody. (laughs) So at this point, Uma Thurman, in an attempt to try and make her feel better, says, I'd fuck you. And she says, I know you would. And it's never addressed again in the film. But there was a part of me that's like, 
what if they just abandoned this Brian dude and lived happily ever after? Yeah, honestly, I've here for the that. apartments. Yes, I've thought about that because they would make such a hot couple. I don't know. Also, also like there's several po- points in this movie where I want where I wish that the genre would turn because uh, that's like an obsession of mine is like movies that like start very genre based and then shift very quickly. <laughs> they both murder Roy. Kind of. Yeah, I kind of would love yeah. it if, if it was just like there were just these like hyper fantastical uh, Quentin Tarantino-esque violent scenes. And then they just cut back to them covered in blood at a cappuccino shop. Just going like, <laughs> so anyway, about Brian, you know, it's just the weirdest thing. It's like, you know, uh, I would I would love that. I would. <laughs> I am here for that a hundred million percent. Specifically, also it, later in the film, when when the creepy bookstore guy hits on Uma Thurman, I'd be like, "How great would it be if they just murdered him right now and then just went right back to talking about Brian?" Kyle, let's anyway. write this movie. <laughs> I think it should be the modern update. It, that's that's the modern update of the truth about cats and dogs, but they murder people. I also have a real unsettling fact about that guy in the bookstore for later. Oh no. <laughs> remember that I will. <laughs> anyway we cut to brian talking to jamie fox and he's like yeah she's kind of scattered she seems different in person and he's like she's hot who cares you let your brain do too much of your thinking <laughs> what a waste of jamie fox that was yeah <laughs> i know this man was ray <laughs> yeah we cut to the bookstore where Uma Thurman has what looks to be like a Cosmo, a ladies interest magazine. Yes. And is quizzing Janine Garofalo on a quiz that just says, do you have low self-esteem? Which, by the way, if you're taking the quiz, yes. Yeah. There's your metric. <laughs> it's always the final question in the Cosmo it quiz. It should just say, did you buy this magazine to take this quiz? Yes or no. And if you circle yes, it's just like, yeah, you have low self-esteem, probably caused by this magazine. Yeah, slightly. (laughs) Anyway, as they're talking, Uma Thurman says, he likes you. You're the voice. I'm just the body. And then a man in the bookstore says, and what a body it is. Oh, man. Out of nowhere. Like, And I'm going to save the fun fact about it for the end. So you can just get real squicked out then. It'll be great. How great would it have been if they just pulled out swords and just cut him up in the the throat? Yeah. (laughs) And nobody, nobody looks up. Nobody reacts. They just walk out the door. So uh, we cut to Janine Garofalo's house because Uma Thurman gave Brian her number. So now he's talking to the real Abby and he's asking her, like, can I take you out for dinner? And she's like, no. And he's like, well, do you want to go for a walk? And she's like, no. And he says, "Okay, well, how do we how about we just talk? And we get like a pretty solid montage of them just talking about all kinds of different stuff. Like while she's making a sandwich in the bathtub, she plays a violin for him. He reads to her in his accent. And then they start getting into bed, still talking to each other. And it pivots hard into full-blown phone sex. Yeah. And good for them. I actually, I kind of like this scene where I'm like, this is romantic and still problematic within the film. It's problematic because he's picturing Uma Thurman while he's jerking off. Yeah, that's a little troubling. Yeah, it it honestly made me a little sad. I was like, well, I mean, this is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I feel very bad for Janine Garofalo, but you know, whatever. 
my least favorite part of it is the mall piano soundtrack underneath. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of mall piano score in this movie. There's a lot of that. <laughs> like it's playing over an old country buffet or something. It's <laughs> yeah. like, where are they having this phone sex in a Nordstrom's? Like, what? <laughs> it's real strange. Um, but they they finish up and they're kind of pillow talking and and he's like, I wish you were here. And she says, I wish you were here too. And he says, okay, I'm coming over. And this is where she becomes mayonnaise woman. Yeah. Womanaise. Womanaise. Nailed oh my it. God. I found it. She is womanaise. Because she has to like hide her hair. She has to hide her face. Like it's terrible. Yeah. Like she's got like, a, I think it's a green towel she has wrapped over her hair. She's got this like face mask that's like water. I don't understand anything that's happening um, there. It's a cooling mask to reduce puffiness around <laughs> the eyes. The beauty complex has not affected me at all. <laughs> so anyway, so she's wearing that superhero mask and then she smears mayonnaise on her face. Yeah. Well, mayonnaise mustard ayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what just happened, but that was amazing. Well, mayo starred mustard ayonnaise. What? what? That was it's, awesome. I'll, I have a video to send you later. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I love when I hear that from you. So, and she basically talks to him through the window and he demands, he's like, throw me something you were wearing. From tonight. And I love her choice of one shoe because here's the thing. Now she can't wear the other shoe. Yeah. And also... It's just, it's a shoe. Like it's also like not a sexy shoe. It's like a it's like a sneaker. He even says, "Oh, it's a it's kid. a kid. Oh, it's a it's kid." A kid. <laughs> but I, I did sort of think it was sort of Cinderella, sort of Romeo and Juliet, because it's like a man talking to a woman who's above him in that sort of thing. I mean, but like, yeah. I don't know. It was very silly. It's all. I mean, this whole thing is just Sereno de Bargerac inverted. Yes. You know. Yeah. It's all that shiz. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we cut to Uma in her apartment practicing her news voice and Roy is mad that she's waking him up and she's taking the loser guys and how to spot them quiz. <laughs> we cut to Abby comes over with coffee to tell her basically about the night they just had and she's like, Roy is a loser and she's like, yeah, I know. Like what? I think she literally says, tell me something I don't know. Yeah. Like yeah. you're kind of still with him, which is weird. Um. Yeah. But they decide that this is when they have to tell Brian and she wants to find a way to do it without actually doing it. And so Uma Thurman volunteers and she's like, I'll go to his house and turn on the radio. And that way he'll know because I'm there. I can't be on the radio at the same time than Superman Clark Kent. And so they start the plan. She goes to his house and he and here's the thing. Is he kind of a shallow asshole through parts of this movie? Yes. However, he has been lied to. Yeah. And true. He he believes that the woman who has just entered his house is the same person he had passionate phone sex with like four hours ago. And so I fully understand as he's like going in for a kiss and assuming they're going to be closer because that was where things were headed. Yeah. I will say karmically, though. None of this would have happened if he hadn't made the assumption that it was okay to go visit a woman that he had never met before at her job 
for the purposes of pursuing her romantically. And yes. I'm not saying what, what Uma what Uma Thurman and Janine Garofalo did was right. It absolutely is not. But maybe maybe you shouldn't have uh, been so forward in that front. You know, maybe maybe yeah. if you had taken a little bit of your time and been like, who is this Abby Barnes? I wonder if there's a newspaper clipping and library montage. I could figure something else out about her uh, <laughs> on my own. And then maybe something will come up naturally. Nope. I'm just going to go right to the friggin' news station and then create a farce. Literally what happened. <laughs> it is. And he offers her a tuna sandwich because he knows that she made one the night before they talked about it and she's like oh no dolphins i i only eat dolphin friendly food so he goes to his fridge which is insane because his fridge is essentially detritus and then what <laughs> looks like a cheese plate it turns out to be a dessert and cheese plate because yes. there is one block of cheese on it just covered in snickers wrappers that he like brushes off and then brings to her and she basically is like, oh, no, I, I don't eat. I order it, but I can't eat it. And then he goes to feed it to her. And she basically comes over that cheesecake for like five whole minutes. Yeah. At which point we learn that not only is he a stalker, he's a feeder. <laughs> <laughs> not King Shaman, King Salmon. Yeah. 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 I, and which for me, I'm like, then wouldn't he want to be with Janine Garofalo? Also, she's yes. going to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. He's like, let's get those 30 pounds back. Yeah. <laughs> so he also gives her a book and it's the letters that uh, Simone de Beauvoir wrote to Sartre. But so she doesn't understand what the book is about. But no one's ever given her a book without pictures in it, she says, because nobody assumes that she's smart, which is sad. Also, like the 60th clue that maybe this isn't the woman that he's talking to on the phone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, other than her voice other yeah. than her voice yeah like there's so many context clues here dude there's so many and but and he basically is just like you know after last night like you're clever and smart and modest and sweet and then you're beautiful like beautiful is the last one he lists but it implies that this is the first time anyone has complimented her on anything that is not her looks. Yeah. Which is as as hurtful as it can feel to have people judge you first on your looks and not give you any compliments at all. It is also similarly not great for people to assume that that's the only good thing about you. Like it's it's bad on all fronts. It's sad for both of them. It is very sad for both of them. Yeah. 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 Dismantle the patriarchy. I'm not I'm yes. not here for it anymore. <laughs> they do end up kissing, which the kiss for some reason made me extra sad because yes, Janine Garofalo got to have phone sex with him the night before, which is more intellectually stimulating, I would say. But the fact that this is a person she is truly falling for and she doesn't get that kiss like until the very end like there is a a slight misogyny in this movie that allows slight? the pretty i was about yeah, to say okay. that, you can go ahead and remove that, that word slight yeah heavy-handed <laughs> that feels like it is okay for the pretty girl to get the physical prizes for yep. the bulk of this movie. And that made me very, very sad. Of course it's going to be the, the cis white guy on the podcast is also going to point out that I felt a little bad for Ben's character because he thinks he's kissing Janine Garofalo, yeah. the woman he like had phone sex with last night, and he's just straight up being lied to by these women. Yeah. Like, I felt bad for literally everyone involved in this movie. Yeah. It's bad. I think that's kind of where the, you know, because the whole central premise of why this is a romantic comedy is that, you know, it's a classic farce. But like, yeah. there's kind of like 
there's almost too much sadness in uh, enveloped in all three of the party members that kind of like stifles it a little bit you know what i mean yeah. like there's just no there's no hope there's no light between any of them it's just like <laughs> this character's been ruined this character's been ruined and this character's been ruined and not in yeah. like a funny haha kind of way and like a oh i don't know if i would ever be able to recover from this if this happened to me kind of way <laughs> well and and we get to it a little bit later in in the movie but I think they do at a certain point, not not well, but they do try to illustrate part of Ben's, not Ben, Brian's problem as well of his idea of like the people that I'm attracted to aren't interesting and the people that I'm interested in aren't attractive. And it's the one point where someone is like, then you're looking for the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And there, it's the only time somebody says it in the movie. <laughs> like yep. Everyone else is just like, she's hot, make it work. And it's only Janine Garofalo being like, take time to get to know someone and it, you will be attracted to them. Like if you like them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a sad one. Yeah. It's a sad movie. It is. I'm so sorry, you guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to your listeners. I'm sorry to everybody. Kyle, for... you picked this movie. I'm breathing so much un- unearned life into this film. And I'm so sorry. So, as they're kissing, the radio show starts to come on and she realizes, oh, no, he's going to hear that I'm not her. And that means that we're going to probably have to stop kissing. And so she says, I'm late. He drives her there and miraculously gets her from point A to point B within the city limits of Los Angeles in under five minutes. Which means it's literally on the same block as where he lives. Yeah, it, it would have been shorter to walk. probably. <laughs> um, so she runs in and, and she's like pulling the knobs out of his radio so he can't listen. Um, trying to stop him from hearing it. But he does eventually, like, he must have had it programmed because he hits a button and it goes right to her station as she's walking in. And he hears Abby starting the radio show and can see her still walking in. Yeah, which, again, clue number 87 that this is not Abby. Aside from her (laughs) voice. Like, the voice is the only thing you should need. Yeah. So he parks because she runs through the lobby and he actually follows her into the building. Yeah, he's a stalker. It's it's hard to break those tendencies. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets to the studio where she is sitting with the headphones on like she made it. She ran up the stairs. She beat him through the elevator. She even looks a little sweaty when she's sitting there. Yeah. yeah. Tells him that they started with a show on tape. And tells him that he can't watch because she needs to concentrate. But at this point, this is where Abby's like, so you didn't tell him, like, what's, I? how could you do this to me? Yeah. And she was like, well, he, he wouldn't listen. He fed me a ton of cake. <laughs> and they decide that the only way to solve this is to go over there, get shit faced and see what happens. And they proceed to do just that, which I don't know how they pitched this to him. I don't know how they pitched it either, Paige, but I guarantee you all he heard was possible threesome. Yeah. He's just getting worse and worse in my mind now. I know. <laughs> yeah. What a shitbag. There's no way. Like, what would you think if Paul Rudd and The Witcher were like, hey, we're going to come over to your place and get shit faced. Let's just see what happens. I'd be like, bring Captain America and Oscar Isaac, too. Let's make it a party. (laughs) Put your keys in this bowl. Like, there's no (laughs) way that's not like what's on his mind in this moment. I don't want to say to his credit, but I think he's only expecting Abby Mm. because there's a moment when they first walk in 
where he starts shutting the door as Abby as uh, Noel oh, walks that's in, true. Yeah, and he starts right, shutting Kyle. the door, but but Janine Garofalo kind of walks up like, "Oh hi, it's me too," uh, like I have yeah. done so many times at uh, gay male parties. Um, <laughs> it's me too, the bridge troll, <laughs> coming to dance to Gaga with you. <laughs> Do you guys want to listen to some Scissor Sisters? <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, I love that van. So they start off, it's kind of just a montage of them drinking. He's in a clown mask for some reason, which is terrifying. And add that to the stalking. No, thank you, John Wayne Gacy. Please let me leave. (laughs) Not ending up in your basement. I don't want to hear about your construction business. And he is paying more attention to Uma Thurman through most of this. Although he does occasionally stop to pay attention to Janine Garofalo. Yeah. Yeah. And they end up taking, they have like a montage of him taking a bunch of pictures of Janine Garofalo. And it feels in that moment for like a little bit that he is maybe falling for her a little bit. Just like there's interest there, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. He even points out how beautiful her eyes are. Yeah. So like he is seeing qualities in her. And I mean, listen, Jeannie Garofalo is an attractive woman in her own right. But this movie is positioning her as the ugly one. Right. So like this is the scene where he's starting to see past what the movie is presenting as, quote unquote, the ugly one. Right. Yeah. And it seems as they kind of finish up taking pictures, he's going to grab another drink and maybe things are going to, the tide's going to turn. And then Uma Thurman jumps in and is like, it's my turn. And he forgets all about the drink and everything. Yeah. And is completely ignoring her, uh, Janine Garofalo, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And she decides to do what I refer to as taking yourself out of the equation, yeah. which is a bad idea. You know, like it's one of those things where I, I have done it and regretted it. And it's one of those things where someone didn't reject you. You rejected you. You left. The projection, if you will. The projection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is a tough one because he truly thinks he's because he doesn't know who's exactly yeah and i i understand what you're saying and i agree with you about you know don't take yourself out of the equation if it's something you want i agree completely i don't fault her for making that choice just because of what is going on in the situation like i feel bad for her in the situation because she's like well he's in love with me over the phone but in love with your body and this whole thing sucks and is gross why did i say yes to this movie oh i i (laughs) I did this where I, I, I left a bar where I had gone to hang out with somebody and one of their coworkers had showed up who was just like hot, skinny, messy party girl. And she was all over him. I basically left the bar and was talking to a friend on the phone and she was like, why'd you leave? And I was like, I didn't want to watch him choose skinny over fat. Yeah. Like, like I don't need to see it happen. Like and and so I fully understand yeah. her doing this. I think grown up me would behave differently at this point, but that's just a lifetime of experience. Um, but yeah, this I resonated very much with her decision to leave. I've been there many a time. I mean, I've done that too. I, I did it more like in high school and college when I wasn't like as self confident. Like right now, I have the arrogance of a much more attractive man. But like in <laughs> in high school and college, I was very self conscious, very not shy, but like I wasn't like into sports or whatever. Like I was this band nerd. I was band president. Like I get that you want to date the football player, you know. So like I would take myself out of the equation probably more than I should have 
And then I sort of got over that and I heard a lot of no's and just got okay with that, you know? Yeah. I mean, one, once I stopped taking myself out of the equation, I married the Witcher. So like, exactly. flawless, flawless plan. I also <laughs> would like to say I heard a lot of no's once. I didn't hear no and then continue going until they said no many, right, many, right, many right, times. Right, right. It was yeah. creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, hey, do you want to go out? No. Cool. See you around campus. Like It was that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as she leaves, she sees their silhouettes through the window going upstairs to ass- assumedly have sex. I thought for a second it was going to be Uma Thurman, like the shadows. We'd see the shadow play yeah. going on here. And when they got to the top of the steps, when you can really see both their silhouettes, you would yeah. see Uma say something and then leave. And then I got really sad when you, they continued to go up the steps. I was like, oh. Yeah. Well, and then you get the shot, the reverse shot on Janine Garofalo starting to cry. Yeah. And I was like, oh, been there, sister. Yeah. Oh, we cut to her on her show the next day and it's just like, I don't give a shit about your dogs. <laughs> like, <laughs> done with this shit. I mean, the, the subtle misogyny of this movie to assume that like something like that would make her like bad at her job all of a sudden that she's very passionate passionate about it is very good at all of a sudden she's gonna like "Mm, the guy ruined my day so now i'm just gonna say these people are terrible dog owners and be unprofessional that's what ladies (laughs) do they let their emotions get out of control of them and stuff it's like that's okay screenwriter like come on (laughs) you can show her doing well at her job but being assholes to people when they when, when she's not on the air like you can do that like in fact, it's almost funnier to see her turn it on and off. Yes, there you go. Yeah. This is why we're comedy writers, Paige. There you, go. <laughs> there you go. But we cut to her at her apartment and we hear kind of a series of voicemails that Noelle is leaving, Uma Thurman's leaving, and half of them are as a newscaster where I'm like, your audition is not an apology. <laughs> yep. I didn't think about that. That's very. That's a very good point. I mean, it's something that we sometimes have to say to our friends here. <laughs> Sometimes you have those friends that are just on all the time and, you know, do, do not know how to turn it on. Listen, I, I'm taking this feedback and I'll try and do better, guys. Like, I get it. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it's difficult for me to sometimes be vulnerable and turn it off. All right. I was not being shady. I promise. I don't think you know me well enough yet, Kyle, to know how right do, you are. I do not. I'm just saying. I, I Back in the day, I was a theater major for one semester because I realized very quickly that I can't handle most theater people <laughs> because they're always like five seconds away from singing La Vie Bohem in a pizza parlor and you're like, stop it, Renee. Stop yes. it. <laughs> Two handcrafted beers made in local blue rice. Paige, this is pizza perfect, not pitch perfect, all right? <laughs> so we find out through these voicemails that she didn't sleep with him. Yeah. That they started kissing and he kept calling her name. And so she left. But also I'm like, so you got to make out with him? Great. Janine Garofalo hasn't even gotten one kiss at this point. Make out with him to the point of him moaning Abby's name. Like yeah. how far into it is that? Or does he just like moan while he's kissing? And is that something that should be a concern for anyone involved? I mean, I, Hey, kink same, <laughs> kink same page. Vocal kink, bitches. Yeah. Kink same vocal bitches. <laughs> and we get a shot of him developing the photos and developing the photo of her that he seems to like spend some time looking at. And it seems like he really at least likes the photo, but we get more, 
I he's like nice picture. Uh, <laughs> and then he just throws it away. I'm just, <laughs> just into a shredder like not Abby. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to we do get some shots of Uma Thurman on her job on whatever location where she's dressed as like a slutty milkmaid. <laughs> yeah, good for her. And, and I know this is not. I I realized that I said the word slutty. That was more just a descriptor. No shame in her milk game. Uh, <laughs> She's pro milker. <laughs> I am a pro milker and pro her milkers in whatever clothes she decides to wear. Yeah, shake those udders, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Paige, I did that joke so I would see that face. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I did the same thing. You can't see. But I did the same thing. <laughs> uh, and we, we reveal that she's been trying to read the book that he bought them and has been using a dictionary to read them at the same time. Yeah. So now here's what's frustrating because the movie did this whole thing where they're like, hey, everyone thinks she's dumb. It's super sad. But then they turn back around and they're like, she can't read. She is dumb. <laughs> uh, which is tough. <laughs> you say it like it's very funny. It, I guess it is sort of funny, but I also feel bad for how dumb they make Uma Thurman in this movie. It's yeah. too much. It's way, way too much. It's one thing to be uh, clueless. It's another thing to be like, oh, this person has a learning disability, uh, <laughs> which is nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> yeah. it's like, I just fear that Roy has control of her conservatorship. 100%. Ooh. You know he does. It's in that contract. <laughs> he gets 15% of all of the books that she tries to read. <laughs> So he just got the first three pages of every Curious George book out there. <laughs> yeah. I never know how they start. Where did the man in the yellow hat come from? So meanwhile, Brian has stalked Janine Garofalo again, thinking that she's Donna. And he kind of approaches her at the mall and they decide to walk out together and they spend like the whole day together there, this is talking a date. and getting along. And this is a date. It's a date. He spends a whole day with the voice he had phone sex with and doesn't realize it. Yeah. I mean, this is why I think he and Uma Thurman are at least intellectually on the same level in this movie. <laughs> I'm backing away from this. <laughs> no, no, no. You are in this, Kyle. No, I'm not. No, you I'm not. picked this movie. <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. But also, he he reveals that he listens to her show every day. Yeah. And so I'm like, this, this is always my fear that someday I will pick up the phone for something that is, or whatever, that's not podcast related and someone will recognize my voice. I live in fear of that yeah. day. Yeah. Because I feel like it is possible. If Jason Manzukis called me, I would know. Oh, you know, same. like and and so he's listening every day and doesn't recognize after they spend a day together when they get along that whole time of day, too. Although she does tell the story about her gaining 40 pounds, which made me sad that she felt the need to like include that in her stories to him almost apologizing for it and i'm just like oh the whole freshman 10 conversation yeah 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 yeah. how yeah. skinny was she before 
I know. That's the craziest thing. She's a normal sized person. Like, I don't like. Beyond that, she's like a petite person. She's like little. She's like a twig. She's shopping in the kids section because she's short and skinny. Like, she's a small lady in this movie. Well, and, you know, hey, a short people, we got like gnome proportions. So, like, maybe we don't look super skinny, but we're proportioned the way that we need to be proportioned to fit our low center of gravity. And it is fine. As the sun's going down, he offers her his coat. Now, this is, I've been offered many a coat. Never once has a man tried to button it up around my neck, but I feel like that would make me throw elbows at his throat if he tried. (laughs) Do you mind if I try and slowly strangle you, Paige, while I'm trying to warm you up as well? (laughs) I'm going to button up this coat. And slightly yeah. remind you of choking. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird though, because it is sort of like he's like reaching around her, and it's the whole thing seemed awkward. Well, and it seems very overly familiar for someone that he's not dating, and for a friend of a person that he is allegedly dating. Because in order to do that, she has to be against him, nuts to butts. Oh like yeah, her. Her shoulders are against his chest so that he can reach his arms around her in like a backward hug to get that like jacket on. And then they stay in that position and watch the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. He even has like a a romantic line where he's like, if you're really quiet, you can hear the moment when the sun hits the hills. And they like sit there and watch the sunset. And he's like, did you hear it? And I was like, but this is this is date talk. This is date talk, dude. It's also terrible dialogue. Like, it is terrible dialogue. He says that, and then it yeah. doesn't make a sound because it would not make a sound. And then he's like, oh, I guess it didn't do it tonight. And I was like, you missed the opportunity to, like, yell or make a weird sound <laughs> or whatever. Like, that is the joke you're setting up. So this whole thing is like a joke with no punchline. I was like, oh, come on. Just him, like, if you listen very carefully. ha <laughs> yeah, like anything, like we could just do like like a rooster impression or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, bitch? Yeah, 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 and then like, yeah, yeah. but nothing ever happens. I thought it was ridiculous. I also thought it was ridiculous that the sun goes down in this shot, and then they have two more like lines of dialogue where they're like by themselves in the shot. Yeah. And both of those shots, the sun is still fully on them. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because she walks away and it's full daylight. Full daylight outside. Yeah. But as she's walking away, he says, "If you see Abby, tell her I miss." her face which made me blind with i'm like you just cuddled and watched a sunset with her like what abby kyle's face right now is how i felt in my heart yeah yeah i'm full full angry gay klingon right now just all brow He must face the Makra. <laughs> Get my batless. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So yeah, that, that hurt me. Why did I like this movie? Why? <laughs> <laughs> this movie is every every imperfection of this movie has been stretched out and magnified. And now I'm like, this is a this is such a mess. What have I done? Pretty much the premise of this podcast is to deep dive into these movies because all of them are super problematic. Also that. Yep. Also yep. that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. So meanwhile, Noelle, aka Uma Thurman, comes back and she sets them up where she's like, I need to talk to you. For 10 minutes, five o'clock, your place, and then tells him the same thing. So they both end up at her place at five o'clock. Now, as she's trying to get him to meet her, he again goes in for a kiss because they have made out before. Like, 
she's bait and switching it a little bit. Yeah. Well, she shuts it down. She shuts it yeah. down. And we cut to her at her audition. Then we immediately cut back. And real Abby and Brian are in the apartment. And she's still keeping up the farce that she's not Abby. And at a certain point, I'm just like, girl, no. He already cuddled with you. You have his jacket. You're Abby. You're yeah. Abby now. <laughs> and he has a list of the things that he likes about her that he's going to read. And he just says, okay, you be Abby. And then she just says, I'm Abby. Yeah. And you're like, she, she just said, how do you not? Well played, screenwriter. Well played. Well played. She just said, I'm Abby, with Abby's voice that she's had the whole movie that he still hasn't put it together yet. Yeah, and he starts off his list with physical things where it's like when you walk into a room, you light it up and your eyes. But then he gets into, we think of things at the same time and the way you make a production out of a tuna sandwich and when you talk to me on the phone... And at, she kind of realizes, like, no, he does love me. And it's sad to just be like, just not the physical part. But also it's because he's been lied to. And maybe that would be different if he knew the truth the whole time. Yeah. Anyway, he also reveals that he stays home in the afternoon specifically to listen to her show. And that he wants to read her to sleep and wake her wake up to her playing the violin in the morning because she's beautiful. And it's it sounds terrible, but that last line just stings. Yeah, it stings about as bad as someone playing the violin at 6 a.m. to wake you up. That's true. That sounds true. horrible to me. Yeah, and she basically confronts him about it and is like, you would not be so enamored, enamored if she looked like, and she doesn't finish the sentence, but she was going to say if she looked like me. Yeah. And he argues, he's like, I don't care. Someone's appearance can change the longer you know them, like you having feelings about somebody can make them more attractive to you and vice versa. Which is true, but he's making these points, but I feel like this movie like is saying the opposite with what it's showing us. Well, it, he's making these points while ignoring a million and a half clues as to what's actually going yeah. on. And while actively pursuing a, a conventionally societally attractive woman. Exactly. Who is clearly not the woman on the radio. (laughs) Right. And she starts to cry a little bit. You can kind of see her start to tear up. And she just says, I'm happy that you said that. And he says, I'm glad you like it because she hasn't said anything. He thinks she's in the bathroom. Yeah. And as he goes to the bathroom to probably open the door, he knocks into her coffee table where there's a flyer with her actual face on it. And he realizes that she's Abby. Yeah. And he says, it was you on the phone that night. She says, yes. And he says, that's your window and your violin and your cat. And she says, yes. Noelle shows up and she's like, it was just, it was a misunderstanding. It's a joke. There is no Donna. She's Abby. And he then points at Uma Thurman and says, you're dumb and beautiful. And then points at Janine Garofalo and says, and you're smart and leaves it at that. No, he says you're smart and, and then doesn't say ugly, which is what he was going to say. Yeah. I get being upset that you've been lied to. I feel like he has a reason to be upset. But I mean, honestly, no one in this movie should be together. This should be the last time they speak. No one. But yeah, I mean, this whole scene made me very sad. The amount of clues that were there ahead of time, like, I just don't understand. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He was lying to himself this entire movie. Well, yeah, especially because the dog totally knows. And every time the dog is around, the dog gravitates to real Abby. Like, the dog knew the whole time. Yeah. We find out that Uma Thurman and Janine Garofalo are friends again, but 
she didn't get the audition and they declare themselves both dumb bitches, which I'm sure Janine Garofalo hated. I'm sure yeah. she did. Yeah. yeah. Is this also where Janine Garofalo is like, hey, sorry, you didn't get the audition or didn't book the gig or whatever, but my station has something that I think would be yes. good for you. And then she like gives her the information. We don't ever really get a follow up on that, I think. But she's like looking out for her. Yeah. Yeah. She's looking out for her. We cut to her at a local coffee place where she's coming to return the jacket. He does not let her off the hook. He's no. he's like very cold hearted. Very cold just leave it on the chair and she says something that really bothered me (laughs) where she says you know the conversations that we've had it all really meant something to me and it was really important but all of that doesn't come in a perfect package it comes in this one and i'm just like that doesn't make it unperfect it just that's the package it comes in i hated that too and she said that i i didn't think you'd give me a chance and he says well now we'll never know like a spoiled brat so and then she goes okay and then they stand there for like 15 seconds I just kind of thought it was weird that, like, you didn't recognize my voice or, like, put it together yourself. <laughs> like, let's I be just, honest with ourselves. This is also on you sometimes. Like, this is not just on me. Yeah, you said you listen to me every day, but then, like, you couldn't tell. Was... <laughs> uh, but we do get a brief scene with him and Jamie Foxx where Jamie Foxx found a picture of Noelle as a model. Yeah, yeah, This is yeah. where he's like, I could tell it wasn't her because of the turtle. <laughs> and he ends up throwing the kid, the single kid that he has for the dog. And the dog is basically fetching it and bringing it back. And we cut to, she's doing her show again. She's back to normal. And as they're breaking for the show, she sees the dog with a paper bag in its mouth loose in the studio yeah and she as she's basically like wrapping up her her story is just like i want to be with you and i'm like the guy who almost called you ugly and then told you to fuck off after he brought his jacket back like okay you could do better yeah but so the dog she gets the bag from the dog and it says put these on don't ask there's roller skates and the dog drags her down the sidewalk into his arms because he has like trained the dog to do this somehow and they sit down on a bench to take the skates off and he basically is like the dog misses you and teaches him a very very funny trick it's very cute i love I love dogs so much. That's a Barbara yeah. Lynn Hefkeshire moment. That's my mom yeah. moment where they're like terrible state and the dog like turns over and my mom would be yeah. like, yeah, see, that's, see, that's funny. That's perfect. <laughs> that's comedy right there. I would have forgiven him too, honestly. Well, and then he continues and he's like, he kept me up thinking, you know, like talking about you and we wrote bad poetry. Well, my poetry was fine, but his was pathetic. Yeah, it was pathetic. Was pathetic. Nailed it. And he says... <laughs> I only ever loved one woman. I don't want to lose her twice. And then she comes in with probably the best joke in the movie. It is the best joke in the movie. Absolutely. (laughs) I loved it. I got to tell you something that night on the phone. I'm pregnant. Are you sure it was me? Actually, I don't know. I made a lot of calls that night, (laughs) which is super funny. And And that's that's the the movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think? Give me some final thoughts. And Kyle, why don't we just start with you? Because this is your pick and you love this movie. You think it's great. It's not problematic in your eyes. Like <laughs> you think it's like the standard of what rom-com should be, right? That's what you were saying, right? Is that right, Peyton? No, Kyle? it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. <laughs> no, but give me your final thoughts. Let's let's talk it out. It's one of those movies where like I always kind of where I always it, it's like 
I think a good example is like Mrs. Doubtfire. We all love Mrs. Doubtfire. And it's yeah. not until we watch that movie now as adults yeah. where we look back and we realize just how messed up it really was yeah. uh, on, on a multitude of levels. And it's it's less severe in this movie, um, but it is uh, definitely up there in terms of like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that there were so many layers to it. And also like, again, I, I looking back at it now as, as someone that like, you know, does uh, do, I, I do some screenwriting every now and again but like <laughs> I, i'm really interested in what that movie could have been um yeah so i I, I, we, I know we, we will get to that in a sec but like because there are just there's so much cookie cutter studio shit that's been injected into it that makes it very wrong in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah. yeah well and i feel like I, this is the same way i felt kind of a little bit about hottie and the naughty where i want to see movies tackle this idea of societal beauty standards I love it when it happens, but no one seems to handle it great. <laughs> and so I would love to see more modern takes on it where people like really play around with that. It sounds like Dumplin's sort of that way, although I haven't seen Dumplin. Uh, I've only heard you talk about Dumplin. it. So. I, I mean, Dumplin has its problems too. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Uh, there are parts of this movie that I still liked though, even though it's it's trouble because I love Janine Garofalo. Same. And so I think, you know, I'm not I'm not losing any time watching her on screen. I'm having a good time. Yeah, I, I really like Janine Garofalo in this movie. I think that this is not a normal sort of a role for Janine Garofalo. You don't get to see her in this like romantic comedy lead mm -hmm. role. So that was kind of cool. Although I don't really like the way she's presented as an ugly, tiny, like short woman yeah. when she is unattractive. She is short, yeah. but she's a very attractive woman. So like, I, I don't know. It, it does have its problems. Didn't hate it though. It's not the best movie in the world. I would watch it again though. Like it's not terrible. Yeah, I agree. But Paige, <laughs> you have some fun facts for us? I do. So hit us with your fun facts. Janine, Janine fun, fun facts. facts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's start out with money fun facts. Oof, I love the money fun facts. So first of all, f from what we can understand, uh, Uma Thurman is unemployed? Question mark. She's yeah. a model. She's a working model. She's a model. So yeah, unemployed. So a radio show host currently. If if you're we're talking terrestrial radio, like radio radio. Right. Um, those jobs top out at around 75k a year. That seems high to me too. Like that, I mean, unless you're like a Dan Savage or like a nationally syndicated show. Those are are much higher. I was going basic. It ranges from anywhere from about 35 to 75. Yeah, 35 sounds more right. Like there's no indication that Janine Garofalo is nationally syndicated. She's not like that level of famous. Yeah. No, I I will say though just. Purely by virtue of her being employed in that profession in Los Angeles, she will make more. Yeah, just well, sure. cost of living wise. Now, keeping that in mind, a one bedroom, one bath apartment in Santa Monica right now is roughly two thousand to twenty three hundred dollars a Oof. month. Yeah. So unless she also maintains a veterinary practice at the same time, it is unlikely that she can afford that apartment. However, Let's update her job a little bit and say that she has a podcast instead. And if those podcast ads are charged at scale parts per mil and her show is daily as it appears to be within the movie. Yeah. Then that means and, and this is there are varying degrees of this. If she's running one ad, one ad on her show she would need 15,000 listeners a day <laughs> to live off her podcast ad revenue. She, over a two-hour show, is probably running six ads. Yeah. 
which means that she probably could get by on about 5,000 listeners per show, but there's no way you would get that ad deal at 5,000. No, you so would she's not. Gotta be, mm-hmm. She's got to be pulling 10 to 15,000 listeners per day uh, to pull that kind of ad revenue and afford that apartment. And that's assuming that she doesn't have a Patreon and that she has a good ad package. Now, if you want a bit of a comparison for how many downloads that would be and how much it would take to earn her rent via those ads. Yeah. You would have to take the collective downloads of every show I am on. Yeah. (laughs) At once. Yeah. Now, granted, I would say cult podcast is not far off, but the, uh, but I have to split it and we have an editor and research assistants that we pay. So that's why I'm kind of factoring this in. Horror Virgin similarly has expenses yeah. and we split it three ways. And this show does not make any money. Labor so, love, <laughs> baby. So, Tell your friends about the podcast is what we're saying. <laughs> Actually, if she was able to achieve this, if she was able to pay for her expenses with her daily podcast, that would put her show in the top 5% of the podcasts in the world. Yep. Which, by the way, our two shows just barely clear that metric. Yep. And you would still need to combine them to equal that much money. <laughs> to be in the top 10% of podcasts, your episodes have to hit 3,000 downloads per episode, which is like a lot, but it's also not a lot. Mm-hmm. The average podcast episode gets 141 downloads. Wow. Yeah. Not like that's industry average. Right. I know way too much about the numbers behind podcasts. No, I, I know. And I was like, we could get deep into it. I, know. I would hope you guys do. This is yeah. what you guys do. You're very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a nerd for numbers too. Paige and I talk about them all the time. That's true. I just wanted to prove that she poor. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, this is not my favorite murder. Like, yeah, yeah, not Joe Rogan over here. <laughs> yeah, but if she started talking about giving DMT to dogs or whatever, putting your kitty in a float tank, <laughs> she'd be says, huge. <laughs> put, put that sedated fish in that float tank. <laughs> Joe Rogan. Speaking of people who are five one, uh... yes, yes. <laughs> I heard he's four seven. Uh, now let's talk about the bookstore. Yeah, the bookstore clerk who commented on Uma Thurman's body is her brother. What? No. Yes. No. Like in real yes. life, like his name is Henry Thurman. Like that's a Thurman. His name is it's spelled D E C H E N Thurman. De- Deacon, Deacon, I guess. I'm yeah, Deacon, Deacon Thurman. Oh wow. Okay. Not yeah. only is that a bad name, it's also a gross role to take. <laughs> it is a gross role to take, but it is interesting now that I'm thinking and like summoning the image of my head of the bookstore guy. Yeah, he does look like like I couldn't see him crawling out of Uma Thurman's gene pool. Like all of the beauty just got sapped to Uma. You know, <laughs> yeah, he's just he's the more wobbly baby deer. Yeah. <laughs> now, also in that bookstore scene in the background are Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. Yeah, I, I saw them mm. back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is during Mr. Show. I loved Mr. Show. Yeah. Now, let's get to how Janine Garofalo feels about this film. Because she has been extremely vocal about how unhappy she was because when she initially signed on, it was an indie film that had very different themes and very different endings. And then when Uma Thurman signed on, it became a big studio project because she was famous at the time. 
And it became, as Janine Garofalo has described it, soft and corny. And she also hates the soundtrack. So she hates the mall piano, too. <laughs> it is 100% Schaumburg, Illinois, Woodfield Mall piano. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of the mall, she says, and everybody's dressed in Banana Republic clothing. Distressed Banana Republic. <laughs> Distressed Banana Republic. And she's mad. She says, when it became a studio commercial film, they end up together at the end. And she didn't like that. And she has since, quote, disowned the film, calling it anti-feminist. Do you want to reveal what the original ending was? Well, the original ending was that they didn't uh, get together in the end. They yeah. just became good friends. Yeah. Yeah. They just kind of were like, oh, OK, I guess now we're just friends. I'd buy that ending more. I would have liked some ambiguity. I would have liked, yeah. how about we try this again? Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. Maybe they don't kiss at the end, but they have that conversation of, hey, maybe yeah. we go on a date next week. Let's grab drinks. Right. Something like that. Yes. Yeah. Something that's more like, we have a lot of trust we need to repair right now. <laughs> <laughs> we have harmed each other mentally for the past yeah. two weeks, and we need to take a beat and try it again. Just reset and try <laughs> yeah. and see where this goes you know i i think that could have been a nice middle ground between what the indie film was probably trying to do and what the studios would have wanted but again like it's a romantic comedy and like in the 90s and like you know these things are basically made and mass produced like uh like twinkies they're like cookie cutter yeah exactly like yeah. they have to end they have to end up together you know that's what that's what the people coming to the movie want to see they want that final shot to be a crane shot of them kissing oh goodbye thank you for letting us voyeuristically watch your love life goodbye <laughs> <laughs> now part of the reason that the studio took over is because this is only a couple years after pulp fiction and so uma thurman was hot shit in hollywood yeah and this is Janine Garofalo's first starring role. That's why she took an indie film. It was her first time being in like an actual lead role. And then once the studio gets a hold of it, she doesn't even get top billing. She is the main character of this movie and she is billed below Uma Thurman, even though Uma Thurman only gets half of the screen That's time. That's bonkers because this is her movie. Yeah, but those are our, our less fun facts. Well, thank you for your decent fun facts. I mean, they were great Thanks. fun facts, but they're they're like downer fun facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk to box office. Yes. So this movie came out in 1996, and I honestly, I looked for it. I could not find the budget for it. So I'm, I honestly have no idea what the budget was for it, but I do know how it did at the box office or how it performed. So it came out on April 26th, 1996, uh, and it was number two the week it came out. It was beat by The Quest, which was number one that week, of course. It was number two. Sunset Park was number three. Primal Fear was number four. And Mulholland Falls was number five. Uh, another episode we've done, The Birdcage, was actually number seven. But what do you think it made in its opening weekend? On April 26, 1996, if you had to guess. I'm going to guess about $2 million. All right, what do you think, Kyle? I'm going to guess $1.5, because I'm bad at guessing games, and Paige is way smarter than me. Well, you both <laughs> didn't do great. It made $6.7 million in its opening weekend. So it did pretty well in its opening weekend. I honestly bet that's pretty close to its budget. Um, yeah, because it probably right. was not a very expensive movie. But again, I don't have that. It did go on to make $34 million in uh, its domestic box office. So pretty good. It didn't get an international release. So there's no money on that. And it did not record its DVD and Blu-ray sales like we sometimes get. So I bet this movie made money. It may not have made a lot of money, but I bet it made money. Is that the truth about cats and dogs on Blu-ray? Fuck yeah, it is. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> Ben Chaplin in HD. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I mean, realistically, it would have probably been VHS because we all have a memory of it at Blockbuster. I got it at Blockbuster many a time. That this was this was an old reliable. Your mom made block. you watch this a bunch, but never bought it for you. <laughs> it, it was one hundred percent one of those movies that I watched with my mom once, and then it became like a oh, comfort movie. Okay, you know, because okay. it was like, oh, this is this is the movie I watched with my mom. And this is so, do we think they're still together? Oof. Oh, no. Um, I think like Kyle mentioned earlier they are gonna have some trust to rebuild but if they if they can get through that like they clearly had some connection with that phone sex so yeah maybe they could figure it out yeah here's what i think slash hope i hope that they're not together yeah because how terrible would it be if you were like how did your grandparents meet oh well (laughs) you see my grandmother uh was a uh, successful radio show host and was living completely independently and was was wonderful but she had a crippling body dysmorphia and (laughs) did not understand how attractive she was that would be very sad and i wouldn't like it and it would be it would be the type of thing that like everybody in the family knows about but no one is allowed to talk about (laughs) i agree i also hope sincerely that this has been a learning experience for janine garofalo's character and that she will then go into her next relationship whoever that may be confident in who she is and demanding that level of affection and intimacy from the jump yeah because she deserves it agree there are more fish in the phone sexy Especially, you know, it's 1996. You got AOL right around the corner. Oh, yeah. You're starting to jump into that cyber sex. No, it was was already already there there. for sure. It was already there. Except it sounded like you were fucking a robot every time you got online. But yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) ASL. So, Todd, what are we watching next week? Okay, so I'm going to pick a movie that I haven't seen yet. Okay. But I remember seeing the trailer for it when it first came out, and it seemed like it was the level of bonkers that we deserve on this podcast. (laughs) And that movie is Friends with Benefits. Oh, I have seen this film. Oh, have you? (laughs) Yes. The Justin Timberlake, Mila Kunis joints? Yes. I honestly don't know much about it except for what the title implies. But I think that's what we should watch for next week. So I want you to get wine drunk, watch Justin Timberlake do his best job to act, and, you know, enjoy Friends with Benefits. Yeah. So, Kyle, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, we really appreciate you filling in for us. Yeah, Kyle, thanks for being here. Thank you for putting up with this terrible movie that I made you (laughs) remember. Kyle, this is every week. We do this every week. Like, Uh, that is the point of the podcast. You picked very, very well. Okay, I'm gonna go wash my face because I'm like. Hey, but just remember that dog has a personality, and that's the most important part. Yeah. And the other thing is that dog has a SAG card. Yes. And also, this movie does pass the Barkdale test. <laughs> oh my God. I uh, thank you. I uh, thank, no. thank you so much. Paige, <laughs> your face is amazing. I'm gonna go no. take a victory lap for that joke. But Kyle, would you do us a favor and tell our listeners where they can find more stuff from you? Uh, yeah, you can uh, uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kyle Shire. Uh, I do stuff uh, sometimes. I'm bad at plugging. I'm famous for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you also produce Critical Role, which I know I is am a producer on Critical hugely Role. Hugely yeah, popular. Do that. Yeah. That is a thing. It is a cool, really, really cool thing. That's the best thing ever. I'm really happy. It is. Well, thank you for having me on. I really Absolutely. It was a joy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts. 
Black Card Rehab, and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram, and we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it's, it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. All right. That's going to be it for us. Uh, Without Mikey, I don't even know how to do this. I'm Paige. I'm Todd. And you complete us. To completion. It's weird without Mikey. It is weird without Mikey. Mikey, come home. (laughs) Stop being drunk ass vacation Mikey, but send me more pictures of your feet. Yeah. Oh boy. More pictures, Kyle. That means he sent some (laughs) already. Although he sends them to my girlfriend. Mm. He like DMs her on Instagram pictures of his feet. I'm leaving all of this in. (laughs) He he doesn't ask her for feet pics. He just volunteers his own feet pics. It's a bit that he has been doing since 2019, like January 2019. Hey, maybe get a pedicure while you're on vacation, buddy. Give him something nice to look at. Pump up that foot game, dog. So with that, I will say toodle pip. (laughs) Bye, pedicure nerds.